Good morning to all, and to all a good night. What? <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house. I'm a few months early, aren't I? You are. Just, just a bit. Just a few. Just a bit. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And it's Tyler Kern, And We're here with Business Casual. Yeah, it, it is Business Casual. Welcome. It is September 20th. No. 25th. No. 20th. 5th. What? September 25th. I don't know where I got the 20th from. I'm, I, I just live a week behind. We have this on the show notes. <laughs> wow. That is a brutal start to the show. It's but you know right what? There. It's right there, man. It's literally on my phone. It's on my iPad. Yeah. Guys, it is September 25th. Do not listen to me. I am the least reliable source. Um, but yeah, Tyler, it's a, a beautiful Wednesday morning. It is a beautiful Wednesday morning. We've got some juicy content today. Juicy. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to break it all down. Uh, excited to be chatting with some folks from an automotive LiDAR conference. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, sounds like we're going to be talking about Apple products. We're going to be talking a little Walmart. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be doing a little Dallas-focused conversation, too, because we got to play up that Dallas is really a growing hub for entrepreneurs. It's true. For young career seekers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we- we've got some good stuff. Tyler, what is something that is maybe going on this week for you that you're particularly excited about? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Okay, uh, later on today, I'm going out to a trade show, ISE Expo in Fort Worth, Texas. Going to check out some connectivity, some communications technology. We're going to dive into a little 5G, so I'm going to be out there today. Uh, Excited for that. Going to go out there with uh, two of our fellow coworkers here at MarketScale. So that's kind of a big thing that's going on this week. What about you? Yeah, um, I am prepping for cable tech that I'm going to be at next week. That is a big, it's a big cable, so wired, but also wireless connectivity conference. Interesting. Um, So a lot of 5G, a lot of fiber optic convos, um, and I'm currently prepping questions, prepping interviews. I'm going to be there in New Orleans uh, through, let's see, uh, it's going to be Monday night through Wednesday. So going to have basically two full days of 5G and wired technology innovation conversations. Heck yeah. Innovation conversations. Innovation conversations. You mentioned earlier that it's a beautiful uh, morning, and that's kind of because it's a little cooler here in the mornings now. Oh, it's finally. still like nearly 100 in the afternoon, which sad. Uh, is awful. Horrible. Very sad. Hashtag sad. <laughs> but, sad. So we're, we're dealing with that, but it's a little bit nicer. And so with that, you kind of start to get that fall feel in the air, and the, the pumpkin spice type things start coming out, right? We've already talked about how pumpkin spice coffees have hit Starbucks and places like that. Well, with the fall kind of hitting, the pumpkin spice is touching every aspect of our lives, every area, every aisle of the grocery store, because... No. Daniel, there was a limited edition pumpkin spice spam that was released online, and it sold out in seven hours. That's me throwing up. So you're not a fan of the pumpkin spice spam. No, no. I mean, come on, people. I can't be the only one. Am I going crazy here? I feel like pumpkin spice spam is one of those things that gets concocted as like a prank or like an onion article. 
I I don't know. I I do not see redeeming qualities in pumpkin spice spam. I'm not gonna hate on spam because I know it's very popular. I know it's tasty to a lot of people. I personally don't like it that much. Feels like the bottom rung of meat for me. Okay. But that's fine. It's a personal opinion. Sure. But I don't think it's a hot take to say pumpkin spicing your spam is like, it's a little yikes for me. Yeah, I, think I don't that's know, fair. man. I, I don't know. It just from an aesthetic perspective, it just it it is like completely unappetizing. But I mean, it sold out, so people are craving pumpkin spice. They don't even care if it's on spam, if it's on their lattes. Yeah, I, I would say that you're not the only one to find uh, <laughs> the idea of pumpkin spice spam a little gross, but. That doesn't mean that there aren't people that are obviously uh, massive fans of yeah. the uh, of the product, which I think we're seeing because of the sellout. Well, let us know what you think about pumpkin spice spam. We have a Twitter account, Daniel. We do at biz b i z casual radio at biz casual radio. Let us know uh, on the Twitter what you think about pumpkin spice spam. Would you try it? Would you eat it? Would you do it? Maybe we'll post a little poll on there and y'all can chime in. Yeah, give us a follow there and let us know what you think. Okay, Daniel, you teased this story a minute ago and we have to get into it. I saw this story about Wisconsin workers being embedded with microchips into their hand. And I saw it and thought, that is ridiculous, that is wild, what are we coming to? Then come to find out, this is just an annual story that's been going on for the last three years because the same company has been doing this year after year. Really? I did not know that. I also and did so not. And so as I dove further into the story, I realized this is the third year in a row. The, the furthest back I could go was 2017. So they've been doing this with their employees for the past three years. Now, 40 workers at Three Square Market, which is a firm that makes cafeteria kiosks aimed at replacing vending machines, they got tiny rice-sized microchips embedded in their hands. So the chip is not a tracker, nor does it have GPS in it. I, I think it's really RFID okay. that that is kind of what's embedded in it. Company officials say it's for convenience. It's a way for them to bypass using company badges and corporate logons, logins, you know, passwords sure. on their computers and that sort of thing. Um, and they can basically just use their hand as a way to, you know, get in the door or uh, maybe buy something at a vending machine, that sort of thing. That's the purpose of it. Um, how do you feel about this? I mean, the upsides, I guess, are the convenience, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds cool, sounds futuristic, it sounds um, easy. I mean, look, I, I can see why there's an appeal, but personally, I do not have any confidence in allowing my employer to chip me, uh, like that's not a dig at employers in general or anything. It's not. This is not a coded commentary. Sure. It's just like it just feels like a, an invasion of personal space a little bit. Yeah, it feels strange. And even if there's no GPS, there's no tracker. You know, they guarantee. I mean. I, I'm not taking any risks here. I'm, you know, what if they update the firmware? <laughs> I, you know, like, and, and also, yeah, what what do you do? How do you update that? Do they have to go back and cut it out and replace it? What about when you're traveling and you go through metal detectors? Like, is it enough, uh, enough metal to trigger that? How do you explain that? Oh, I have a chip in my hand. Like, I don't know. It, it, it seems kind of like premature technology because... We still don't even have 
uh, like Apple Pay at every checkout counter. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we're still trying to right. get our smartphones and that kind of easy login access technology on our mobile phones, why are we jumping to embedded chips in our hands? It just it feels like a strange leap forward when we're still trying to figure out one set of tech. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It t- personal opinion does not inspire a lot of confidence for me. So nothing says work-life balance like injecting something into your body <laughs> that you can't get rid of. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> I can't leave work at work because work is embedded in my hand permanently. Right. <laughs> no. Right. So th- there's that aspect of it to it, but also like, is this? I'm guessing this costs money on some level. Obviously. Sure, right. Is this really like the the way that like you want your your experience your work experience to be bettered like oh all of a sudden i don't have to pull out a key card to get into the door i just scan my hand is that like the level of convenience or would it have been like maybe we contribute extra money to 401ks or something like that exactly or better healthcare plans or or, or things like that i don't like if this is how this company decides to spend their money that's fine just from a personal perspective if this was a company that i worked for that was like hey we spent all this money on microchips that can embed into your hand and it makes your life a tiny bit more convenient I'm sorry. I would have rather that money be spent elsewhere, probably. Right. Could you have just given me a bonus instead, sir? Exactly. Please? Like, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that, too. It seems like a strange allocation of resources when there are so many other things that, like, I'm sure everyone would have preferred a basic raise instead of the thousands of dollars I bet that they had to invest in not only the chips, right. but the... I mean, whatever kind of surgery you took to put it in, I know it's probably not crazy invasive, but still, um, you know, the the mechanisms to put it in as well as the reader technology itself that they then had to put on the computers, they had to put on, um, you know, checkout areas that they had to use for scanners. It's just, it's, it seems like a waste of money. And it feels like a weird surface level kind of, look, we're quirky and cool and we're the mm-hmm. tech company of the mm-hmm. future that, you know, <laughs> we're the, we're cyberpunk. Look how cool we are. I don't know. It just, it seems, I, I don't know. I'm with you. It seems like a weird allocation of resources and money uh, for something that really at the end of the day, how is this making the employee experience any better on a, in a substantive way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I wish we could stop down and talk a little bit more about Apple Pay because I'm curious about your thoughts on that, but we'll just have to save that for another episode yeah. at a later date. Um, but on the flip side of this, there's a large company in the United States, Walmart, oh, that is... I haven't heard of them. <laughs> haven't, haven't been to one in a while? No. Uh, so uh, they are actually doing something to, I think in, in, a, in a very tangible way, add value and provide benefit to their employees. So Mm -hmm. Walmart has expanded their workers' college benefits to include health and wellness degrees. So they're going to offer its one and a half million U.S. associates the opportunity to apply for one of seven health-related bachelor's degrees and two career diplomas. So um, this is part of a tuition perk. It's called Live Better You. And originally the program offered degrees in business, uh, leadership, and management, but now health degrees are also going to be offered. Huge. So this to me is a better example of a company, and I get it's Walmart, they're able to do things on a larger scale for their employees, and it's a bigger deal when they do. But this is an example, to me anyways, of an employer taking the resources that they have at their disposal to better their employees' lives and using it in a positive way 
Um, not that the microchip is negative, but to me, these things stand in opposition of one another. One employer is like, hey, we're going to better you by allowing you, you know, helping you get degrees in certain things and maybe advancing your career opportunities either here at Walmart or somewhere else. Whereas the other place is like, here's some futuristic tech that may be a big deal. <laughs> Probably won't. Right. I mean... I think this is a fantastic move from Walmart. Um, you know, Walmart being the largest private employer in the nation, mm-hmm. their effect on the American workforce is tangible. Yeah. Um, which is why, you know, there's always a lot of heat, a lot of conversation on, like, uh, being the largest private employer, like, we need to make sure that those employees are making living wage, mm-hmm. that they are, you know, being compensated for their work, et cetera, et cetera. But beyond this, this feels like a vote of confidence for its workers and kind of a reframe of how such a large corporation should treat its workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in quick service restaurants, in fast food restaurants, in large chains like this, uh, um, workforce turnover is extremely high. Yeah, yeah. And the jobs themselves don't require, like, months of training necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. at, at least your basic kind of stocking, cashier jobs. Um, but workforce turnover is a huge investment, and it costs money, it costs time. And what I think this is doing is it's doing two things. It's reflecting shifts in the workforce. Right. And it's also making employees feel like they're not just at a job, but they have upward mobility. They have an opportunity to, you know, let's say that they never went to college. Mm -hmm. They have a high school degree. They're working at Walmart. They've been working there for years now. And now Walmart is saying, hey, we are going to give you an affordable opportunity to level up your career into jobs that we really need filled. Right. Um, I'm a big fan, man. I'm a big fan of this move. And um, I I really also like that it's reflecting uh, positions that are really needed in our society. Uh, You know, getting getting Walmart employees access to health degrees Mm -hmm. to be able to work in health science, health and wellness, health management administration is self-serving. I mean, they have pharmacies and stuff and they need people to operate those pharmacies um, and to operate things like their... Uh, their vision centers that they have in there now. But I don't know. I think beyond that, it's just, it's a vote of confidence and like, hey, we acknowledge that you are a person, you have a career, you might have aspirations to do something beyond being bottom of the rung kind of worker in this massive corporation. Um, And I, I really like that. I'm I'm, I'm a fan. I'm with you. And, and in a day and age where it seems like we see a lot of stories that seem to, at least on the surface, devalue the everyday worker, right? Whether it's, you know, more self-checkout, more kiosks, more autonomous, you know, robots in, you know, stocking rooms and things like that. Uh, This seems to at least be on some level uh, an investment into the actual human being, which is also good to see. Agreed. Yep. Daniel, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from Jerry Mecca, uh, one of our good friends here at MarketScale. He is the uh, former director of IT uh, at Dr. Pepper Snapple. He's going to tell us a little bit about a charity that's near and dear to his heart. So we're going to step away, take a minute to hear from Jerry Mecca. And when we get back, we're talking LIDAR. Let's do it. We're going to do that right now here on Business Casual. Boom. Thank you for listening to the Mecca Minute. As was mentioned when we launched the podcast, I do have a couple of charities that are really, really close to my heart. 
one of them being the Collin County Peanut Butter Drive. It's been going on the entire month of September and ends on September 30th. We have a goal to collect 100,000 pounds of peanut butter. If you didn't know, there are about 44,000 food insecure children in Collin County alone. No telling where else. The peanut butter will all end up at the North Texas Food Bank and given out to Collin County area homeless and food insecure children. There will be a URL posted at the bottom of my most recent podcast and along with some locations where you can drop off your peanut butter. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much again for listening to the Mecca Minute. All right. So Market Scale is going big on the trade shows this year, um, at least for the back half of the year. Right now, we have the Automotive LiDAR Conference 2019 going on in Detroit, Michigan. It's the only event in the world that's exclusively focused on automotive LiDAR technologies and applications, which is uh, you know extremely exciting. It's definitely one of the coolest applications for LiDAR technology. One of the most tangible, I think, too, at least in my personal opinion. So we wanted to get some thoughts from the floor. We've got Michael Poulin. He's the VP of Product Management at Letter Tech. Michael, great to have you calling in. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, it is an exciting event, and uh, glad to have the time to, to talk about it here. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, really what we wanted to do is just get a sense for what's being talked about at the show right now, and then also slightly break down what presentation you're giving at the show, um, because I think um, right. the topics that you're covering really show where this technology is headed and how it can be embedded into our everyday lives. So let's start with just big points of conversation. What are people talking about at this year's show, and how are those conversations driving innovation in the field right now? Oh, well, uh, from what I've seen so far, there's lots of discussions on different technologies that are, uh, you know, inside the box that are enabling the LiDAR itself. There's there's multiple ways of making a LiDAR and, and people are still very much interested in, you know, what are the, 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 the pros and cons of these different approaches. Uh, so in some cases, it's the wavelength of the uh, light that's being used or uh, it can be uh, around the materials, uh, around the uh, ways of steering uh, the, uh, the beam, you know, to be able to achieve uh, high-resolution LiDAR solutions. And uh, so, yeah, there's lots of different views, lots of different LiDAR companies that have uh, many innovative innovative ways to do that. So there's uh, basically a wide range of presentations covering these different topics. And, uh, of course, the interest uh, is which one is, uh, provides the best performance at that be uh, at the best cost and uh, that can meet automotive uh, requirements. Yeah. And why do you think it's so crucial to have a show specifically focused on LiDAR um, in sort of an automotive sense, right? So LiDAR for uh, automotive technologies, uh, LiDAR automotive applications. Why is it important to have a show just for uh, those uses? Yeah, I think actually it's it's very uh, it's very important to, to have such a venue uh, because uh, lidar is definitely a key technology that's required to to enable advanced um, you know uh, automated driving uh, capabilities in the automotive field, and this technology is really at a at a point where there's still multiple solutions and uh, the um, you know, the, the, it's in a maturing process, I would say, right now. So this venue allows to get, you know, the full ecosystem uh, gathered together in one place to discuss these topics. 
also provides a great opportunity for networking and and getting all these uh, different people from that ecosystem together and, and discuss these challenges and, uh, and and basically educate also, I would say, the market on the technology. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, that, that, that's my view, at least, uh, on the importance of such an event. And then real quick, just want to get your thoughts on the presentation you're giving. So at the show, you're giving a presentation called Implementing 3D Solid State LiDAR Cocoon Technology in Autonomous Shuttle Applications. I'm really interested in the shuttle applications part. So break down the gist of your talk. What are you hoping to get across at the show? Yeah, sure. So I think, uh, you know, there's probably uh, room for different uh, LiDAR implementations. Flash LiDAR is uh, the most, I would say, robust and uh, the, the, the probably the simplest uh, to, to bring to automotive grade. Um, and uh, the idea of this talk is to present how in uh, autonomous driving uh, applications that will deploy very quickly, uh, being the autonomous shuttle, uh, to show how the uh, a 3D flash LiDAR uh, enables uh, many of the key use cases uh, of such a vehicle, and actually, we're benef- we're taking advantage of this uh, conference here to launch a new product that specifically is addressing this market. And so, regarding the automotive uh, attendance here, uh, the idea is to show them that this is uh, a first step towards, uh, uh, in our view, uh, automotive uh, cocoon lidar that will be required for uh, uh, level four uh, applications uh, uh, in automotive. Uh, uh, in the automotive industry. All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us, giving some thoughts from the show. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you back on sometime soon. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. All right, Tyler, we've got another quick story um, that I want to touch on. I think is really uh, timely, reflects some of our geopolitical changes and... uh, kind of plays on plays on this idea of American manufacturing. Oh, yeah. Which plays into uh, some content we just recently dropped called Made in America. Made in America. About big-ass fans. Yeah, we um, dropped the first episode of uh, Made in America, which is a new series that we're doing, where we traveled to Lexington, Kentucky, and took a look at the manufacturing facility for big-ass fans. That's on marketscale.com now, so you can go check it out. Yeah, just wanted to, wanted to toss that out there, do a little blatant self-promotion, but... This story that we wanted to just bring up briefly um, is that Apple is going to be making its new Mac Pro, the cheese grater Mac Pro, as Tyler and I <laughs> like to call it. It looks like a big cheese it grater. It really does. It's gonna. They're going to be making it in Austin, Texas to avoid some Chinese tariffs. So uh, Apple is going to manufacture the new version of this desktop computer in Austin, Texas. Um, it's the only major Apple computer to be assembled in the U.S. Most mm-hmm. of their other products are assembled in China. Uh, so it's an interesting move that they are keeping it in-house. Um, but yeah, basically they're receiving some federal product exclusions. The company confirmed this on Monday of this week, and that's enabling it to import some Mac Pro parts without paying tariffs. And then obviously they're keeping some of the manufacturing in-house as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of this. I think you know the conversation as of late has been... American-made, American-made, we need to keep things in-house, you know, we need to bolster our workers, our economy. So any move from a corporation that takes some of its Chinese manufacturing and brings it back to the States is great. Uh, I also think it's reflective of the idea of keeping tech and general tech jobs in Mm -hmm. the States as well. This isn't 
um, you know, quite an immediate correlation here, but I think it's reflective of the same thing. I want to point out we're seeing campaigns for keeping rural tech jobs here in the states. And honestly, just expanding tech jobs to rural parts of the country. So we're seeing South Bay representatives like Rokana uh, trying to bring Silicon Valley jobs to Iowa to bring this kind of tech hub that seems to stay in your Californias and your New Yorks, mm-hmm. bringing them to the middle of the country and empowering people in Iowa to benefit from our tech boom. So, though Austin is also kind of a big hub, not quite the same thing as middle America, I think it's reflective of potential for companies like Apple, companies like Microsoft, Mm -hmm. and even smaller startups to think, if we really want to empower tech jobs to stay in the United States, from manufacturing to the software development, the coding, the UI, UX, how can we do it in a way that brings it beyond Silicon Valley, that goes beyond uh, you know, the raising of rent in um, California that we're having yeah. to deal with because of this influx of high-paying jobs. How can we expand this wealth out to the rest of the nation? So interesting dynamic here. I think it's a good move by Apple, and uh, I'm curious to see if this pushes the company or any other companies to do something similar. Yeah, we'll see if it's a, if it's a success for them, if they feel like uh, in the end it's beneficial. 100%. All right, Tyler. Last story of the day. So last week we went to a Dallas Junior Chamber of Commerce networking happy hour. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mouthful. Uh, it was a ton <laughs> of fun. We got some interviews with a mix of different local and career-focused individuals. And we put together a montage that we wanted to paint a picture of some of the voices that are leading Dallas's growth as a hub for business and careers. So mm-hmm. we've got that short montage on why Dallas is a hot spot for young professionals, on leadership tips, on shifts in the hospitality market. It's a mix of everything. First, you're going to hear from Rachel Bonilla. She is the VP of Networking and Philanthropy for the DJCC. She's going to explain why the event is so important to the community and who she hopes makes an appearance. And then you'll hear from some different folks we met there. Roll the tape. Things like this bring people that you probably maybe wouldn't meet otherwise together. Um, and in networking, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, you know, here we have, we're doing a podcast with one of my old coworkers. He would now work have a lot of time scale. for commentary. I, I'm with the chamber, so we're Seriously? kind of bringing those together. And had we not networked not have to like talk 30 to each other, to be like, you guys might not be here I right like now. I like that. We strive for people kind of rounding out it's exactly college. Five. It's exactly um, five minutes, you know, and then there's 30 seconds of music oh, okay. underneath. Just because yeah, we'll when you're like in college, 30, you have such a community, okay. right, and cool. when you come out, it's kind of like you feel kind of lost. How do I make friends? When I moved to Dallas, I didn't know anyone. Um, and it, that's kind of the group we're wanting, is the people that are eager to get to know their city and to get to know each other. Uh, our VP of Communications, Olivia Williamson, has been amazing uh, making the promos and just getting the word out about what we do. Um, and she works in the marketing world, but she, you know, that's a that's a certain skill set but with us she's learned how to make uh, graphic promos and do things that she you know she didn't have to do they have a graphics department at her job um, so that's something she actually has voiced to me is wow I would never have learned how to use Photoshop or do any of these things if it wasn't you know for the chamber great uh, atmosphere overall we have a clean nice city as well uh, compared to a lot of other cities. I actually just got back from uh, D.C. as well as uh, Denver and Colorado Springs. Those are great uh, towns, but uh, a lot of people have moved there fr- from there to Dallas as well. Uh, and there's a, a lot of different factors, and the biggest factor is we have a, a great uh, community of uh, young people here, as well as a low housing market, meaning the low cost of living compared to other places. It's still you know high in certain areas, but comparative to other places, it's very low. 
Hospitality industries, hotels specifically, are usually like two years ahead of everything. Like whenever we plan, whenever we book business, it's all two years out. And when we start getting more technology-based, we're starting to see that the booking window is 30 to 90 days now, where it used to be two, three, four, five years in advance, you're, you're booking rooms for these big conventions or you're booking their meetings. But I think a lot has to do with the younger generation that's starting to take over. It's kind of this instant gratification thing. You want a call, you want a meeting, and you want to instantly know how much it's going to be, but you don't want to provide any information. Like, I got 50 people, how much? You're like, well, what? Okay, like, give me a chance here. Like, what do you want? Do you want, you know, I don't know what level of standard you're looking for as far as, like, your menu options and stuff like that. And they're like, no, we just need to know how much it is. You're like, okay, can't. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of, like, push and pull right now. And I'll, I'll be curious to see how it goes over the next couple of years and how it evolves. So I'm going to start a leadership podcast because I have been fortunate enough in the military that I have gotten so much leadership training. And then I came into a civilian world where I learned that that's not happening, honestly. It's one of those things where you they are like, oh, you get put into a leadership role, now you get leadership training. But before that, it's very minimal unless you seek it out. And I want to continue learning and being a leader because that's what I was taught in the military. You have to continue learning throughout whatever you do. So while I'm going through this journey, I was like, I'll bring other people along. I'm sure they want to learn the same stuff. Get the book, what color is your parachute? Because it's not, I mean, obviously, if you have a job, that's great, but you also have to anticipate what's going to happen. And this is really like a career roadmap. It helps you. It tells you about informational interviewing, which is a step above networking, right? Because you can meet people all day and you can make five minute connections. That's not going to do anything. What you really need to do is Find a way to connect with somebody so that when they have a job opening or they have something, they'll remember you and they'll look for you or they'll call you. I think, you know, you yourself have to brand yourself no matter what, you know, no matter what you're doing. I play goalkeeper, right? And I play soccer. Not many people care about the goalie. They really don't, you know. They, they don't care about the gloves they're wearing. They don't care about the uniform they're wearing. They're just... Oh, it's just some dude standing in the back, you know, blocking the blocking the goal. One mistake, and it's all the goalkeeper's fault, you know. So, I post. If you look at my social media, I post a lot about, you know, goalie training, about goalie goalkeeper fashion. As a matter of fact, you know. So, and, and, and people tell me, literally tell me, they're like, dude, you should you should get a do a goalkeeping coaching, you know, type of deal or or whatever, right? But that's how they see me as. You know, they don't know any other goalkeeper that's doing that. And of course, you know, you have you have other people doing, you know, what I love, you know, that I follow and they're doing it at scale. But yeah, you know, branding yourself is important, especially when it's your passion, when it's something that you love doing. It's going to it's going to show it's going to show in, in your in your in your content. All right, T, real quick before we close out the show. Um thoughts on that i mean that there's some really interesting commentary we heard yeah. from folks here that was really fascinating and it, it, it's interesting to see just a, a place for young people to come together and kind of share those ideas and network here in dallas and i think you're right i think dallas is becoming more and more of a of a hub for business for entrepreneurs and having that attitude and having an organization where there are people with unique uh, perspectives like the guy talking about goalkeeper stuff right like, it's very interesting to me as a soccer fan uh just to hear how people are working their passions into their business uh, ideas as well is uh, is really interesting basically what i felt is that every single person we spoke to understood the necessity of of branding yourself as a person as an industry as a company 
people were very hyper aware of perception in business and perception in your career. Um, and so it was really cool to see that reflected in different ways from the um, from the book that that uh, lady recommended to the one who wanted to start her own podcast to right. the goalkeeping commentary um, to just, yeah, getting involved in philanthropy in your city and giving back to your city in ways beyond your career. So I don't know. It's all very interesting and it's cool to see Dallas become that hub. I feel like we're going to need to do more reporting on this. Some real investigative reporting. Exactly. It's going to be good. We're going to have to get out there and pound that pavement. <laughs> I love it. But we can't do that now. We can't. We're out of time. Because we are out of time for today. All right, T. We will be back on Friday. Actually, I won't be here Friday. It'll be you and Jeff. I'll be here. It'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Thank you all for listening to BizCash. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. I'm your other host, Tyler Kern. Follow us on Twitter at BizBizCasualRadio, BizCasualRadio on Twitter. And we'll see you again soon. Hasta luego.